Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look at he certainly feels to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a picnic blanket, and I love films. As Helen Keller once said, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight and no vision. And the only thing worse than the amount of adverts you have to sit through at the cinema is people not turning off their fucking phones. Wow. Who knew Helen Keller was such a stickler for cinema etiquette? But fair play to her. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Ed Gamble. Can you believe it? Jamila Jamil. What? Ricky Gervais. Who? And even... Someone like Nish Kumar. He's been on it enough times. But this week, my special guest is superstar, writer, actor, stand-up, Daily Show correspondent, and all-round hero, Jenna Friedman. Announcement! On December 19th at the BFI in London, I will be doing a special live show with the aforementioned Nish Kumar, where we will be breaking down the decade in film, discussing the films that made us cry the most and the films that gave us the troublingest boners in the last 10 years. Come along, bring your own answers, bring your own worrying wide-ons and troubling boners. We'll have a party, we'll have some eggnog, we might even do a Muppet sing-along at the end. For the record, just in case there's any legal issue with this, Obviously, don't bring a troubling boner and worrying wide on to a public forum. Just, I mean it metaphorically, we'll have a nice time, but please, everyone keep it in your, do you know what I mean? Anyway, tickets are available at the BFI website. If you do enjoy the show and you want to support it and get more content, come home and join me at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra guest questions, etc. It's a very interesting chat with Jenna in the Patreon bit about politics and whatnot. And what things mean. Quite blew my mind, if I'm honest. Anyway, have a listen. Get, get into it, if you like. Two, two quid a month. Two quid a month, you get all loads of extra stuff. That's the minimum. Maximum is more, but depends how much you're into this, isn't it? Anyway, I've got one more announcement because it's Christmas. If you go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash films to be buried with, you can get stuff for Christmas, like hoodies, T-shirts, baseball caps, whatever you want. Films to be buried with merch. Does that sound fun? I don't know. For some people it is. And I salute them. So, here we go. Jenna Friedman is a brilliant, bold and funny as fuck comedian. I met her when she first came to Edinburgh with her show, here we go, hold your, hold your horses, this is what the show was called, American Cunt. And I thought, well, this sounds like the show for me. She's fucking brilliant, Jenna Friedman. If you don't know her stuff, may I suggest before you listen to this, you go check out on the internet Soft Focus with Jenna Friedman, which is jaw-dropping stuff. Bold stuff. We recorded this early this year. It's a shorter episode than normal due to time constraints, but it is none the worse for it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 72 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm joined today by an actor, a writer, a stand-up, a presenter, and one of the finest, bravest satirists of this generation. Please welcome to the show, 
It's Jenna Freeman. Oh, Brett, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. I was trying to remember where we first met. I believe it was Edinburgh mm-hmm. when you did your show, American Cunt. I think it was. was it I think it might have been before then. Did you ever? show about porn or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what year was that oh the porn show uh, that was i think when we met was it wow okay so was that like 2011 or something yeah 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 i think so god we've known each other so, so long. yeah and here we are in la in your place that you're renting uh jenna is sat in front of me with a little dog on her lap potato a little dog is called potato hasn't po- taken a shine to me <laughs> potato latka epstein oh, <laughs> lovely uh, now, Jenna, I'm grateful to have you on the show. To me, I'm excited that your career is going well. And I watched a video, which I'd recommend that everyone watches, which it was a pilot, is it? Or something you're trying to get into a series called Soft Focus? Yeah, we've had two specials. They're both on Adult Swim. All of the segments except for one are on YouTube. If you type in Soft Focus, we have a segment on campus rape, a segment, an interview uh, with a cannibal cop, uh, an interview with John McAfee. They may be putting the fourth segment on YouTube with the gamers. Did you see that? No, I saw the, the John McAfee thing was absolutely incredible. So the segment with the gamers is a lot. That was my favorite segment. And I'm a little wary of them putting it on YouTube because it's pretty intense, but they might. So we'll see. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, so the John McAfee one, to take an example, you are interviewing John McAfee, you're surrounded by people with guns. Yes, uh, men. Men yes. with guns, men with pointing guns. guns at you just in case you do anything bad. And you, I think it's, what I thought was so incredible about it is, A, you're very, very funny and brilliant, and you ask him proper questions amidst all the jokes, but you're not doing, it's not like you're Ali G, you're not a character, you're mm-hmm. you. And I thought, I generally thought it was one of the bravest things I ever saw. And I wondered if you were scared or nervous or if you're just going, fuck you, I've got to get this. Like, what's going on in Um, your head? Well, McAfee, uh, John McAfee is running for president. So I didn't really think we were in danger. (laughs) So I think that would be pretty bad PR. Yeah. Yeah. So you're sat there with John McAfee. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be president. So you're not thinking he's going to kill you. No, he also isn't. I mean, I've done enough research on him. I definitely saw that Showtime documentary. That documentary was so indicting that, like, nothing we could say or do would be worse than what that documentary alleged. And they knew we were comedians going in, which normally I don't – I try not to, like, show my cards if we don't have to because I want people's honest reactions. But they had all the info on us. They had our social security numbers. Like, we gave them all of our information. Right, right. Which I did not want to do, but, you know, there's a level of trust when you do these things. Yeah. John McAfee has my social. Fuck. <laughs> Have you heard from him since that went out? He's into it, yeah. He's into the... Um... Even the end credits bit? Yeah, he didn't mind. Really? This is a man who eats human feces. I think he's in yeah. another... Operating on another frequency. The section where you uh, repeatedly get him to say that he eats I mean, yeah, <laughs> that was silly. It's so good. Thanks. I did break at one point, because there was, like... This is just, like like nerdily like there was a cleaner version of like to people who don't know enough about bitcoin it sounds like you just want to eat your own dick like there was a funnier way that i said it but i broke during that so then we ended up like i kept saying like john mcafee to not laugh yeah so it's like a little slower than rhythm because i guess with comedians we kind of hear things in rhythms yeah you john mcafee i loved it and i hate to say this because yes he's an alleged sex offender and and murderer but Mm. i shouldn't say it he was very charismatic well, and also, in fairness to him, he la- you know, he got most of your jokes, I think, and, like, was, in his slightly odd way, playful, and, you know what I mean? It was yeah. interesting. And there's a danger. You don't want to humanize, like, dangerous yeah. people, but he is running for president. And there's this kind of part of me that's like, I feel like we should give Trump supporters another option. <laughs> like Ralph Nader, the right, yeah. you know? And really, it's a great bit. So when you did the... Have you done ones where you feel more in danger or you think this is a riskier... I actually like shot something for, for Channel 4 when oh, I was yeah. in London. And that is just... Um, I don't know if that one is going to be out in the public. It's like a separate kind of thing that we shot. But we talked to a men's rights activist. 
How'd that go? That was a little scarier because, you know, there's so much anger and hostility from, I don't want to say pro-men extremists because I'm pro-men, but just Mm -hmm. like from like, you know, anti-woman extremists, like that was, his views were so hard to like, it was hard to talk to someone who just like hates feminism and feminists. Wow. Um, So that was like a little scary, but, you know, less scary in the UK because you guys have less guns. Yeah. I feel weird always saying it because I don't want to like invoke it, but yeah. I think it's true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I we, it technically is true. true. Yeah. That's a lie thing to say. Yeah. I think we've got a lot less guns. Yeah. On our person. So that's why it's like more fun to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's easier to, to uh, do just difficult anything, interviews. Any, but anything. Yeah. Just walk down the street. Yeah. Do you have, when you go into these things, do you have uh, like a mission in your head? Are you going like, I want to get these lines out. I want to get this. Or is it like, I want to see how this goes. Well, when I was working at The Daily Show as a field producer yeah, uh, behind the camera, like I definitely had like a script that I wanted to get out from everyone because like I was going to be editing it. And John Stewart was so engaged in the process that like he would like know what to look for if we miss something. So I was really like hyper focused on that there. But with this show, it's kind of more like character studies. And I, I mean, we plan for things, but then if they go a certain way, we're open, you know? And so there is a little bit more spontaneity and improvisation. Right. That's good. Uh, Your stuff isn't all political, but a lot of it is, right? Is that, or is it all? No, it's not all political. No. But do you, uh, feel like I think it's really impressive but um, my question is is it because that's what interests you and that's what you care about or do you actually like think I'm trying to affect change and do good here or is I it mean good? I think it's a combination of things I think like in terms of like with John McAfee like why I wanted to talk to him wasn't just that he was like this outlandish character it was because he's running for president I don't know how many people watch my stuff, but yeah, I mean, there's totally a level of like, it's the least funny thing to say, but like activism in the choices that I'm making comedically, like for this opportunity on Adult Swim, we, the show has been two field pieces and two interviews after them, Mm -hmm. but both field pieces have had to do, one was with campus rape, one was with sexual harassment and gaming. Like I chose them because I'm trying to understand Adult Swim, a lot of Adult Swim's viewers and what issues they come up against and to try to meet them where they're at and talk to them in like a funny but feminist way. Yeah, I love it. Have you done, have you gone into any of these things and had your mind changed? As in with these people or with, have you have you left going, oh, you know what, I had that wrong? Well, no, I think it's, I mean, it's less about you don't want to go in with a hard agenda because you're also, I'm not trying to do hit pieces or make people look bad. Yeah. We're just trying to show people as they are. Also, I feel like if you do try to make people look bad or if I tried, it would come across that way. So yeah. with the guy gamers, like this segment, we basically kind of virtually harass them. We got their consent, uh, but we use VR to play out a scenario that, a lot of people have reported experiencing uh, since, like, the Me Too movement. Yeah. Um, so we got, like, a Harvey Weinstein porn reenactor to, in VR, go in a room, and I don't want to spoil it. But there were moments where I'm in the room with the guys yeah. wondering if, like, I'm going to get punched in the face. Like, there were moments yeah. where I had a whole conversation with my EP of, you know, we're putting them in this chair in, like, a sensory kind of VR suit. Should we velcro the gloves onto the chair so that i don't get punched and he's like no (laughs) so i was like okay and they were you know we we make sure whoever sits down are people who we think can handle it with a diversity of thought you know one of the guys was very feminist who we did the experiment with and and so we're just trying to show like a um a range of people and talk about something that's real which is like sexual harassment in gaming um, and why that's so real is because sometimes that actually also, A, it discourages women from participating in an industry that's really lucrative. And it also, um, one person we talked to, she, after being harassed in gaming, the person that harassed her because she kind of joked back ended up becoming her stalker. 
And so even though it was like just online, it became real. Right. And that's, I think that's a whole other thing about separately, just like how we spend so much time online. And at the same time, we can't uh, underestimate how serious online engagements are when so much of our reality is spent online. Yeah. We can't pat, we can't dismiss, oh, Twitter's just Twitter or like, oh, you know, like mm. people fighting online is just online because it's real. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, do you, and what about films? You write a film? Have you I've written two films. Do you want to direct them? And I, that's them? the goal. Yeah, that is the goal. Uh, it's been hard. We had, um, we've, we've had other iterations of it. It's just been really hard to get them financed. Um, I was in a film on the campaign trail in 2016 I played a, it's, it's such a hidden gem that I think it's on, the film's called Undecided, the Voters, Undecided, Uh, the movie, sorry, Undecided, the movie, but I just played a field producer, it was with with these two guys who pranked everybody on the campaign trail, and it's definitely like cringe comedy, Yeah, way more so than even my show, like they just went after everybody, but we were on the campaign trail, and because there's this assumption that everything's being filmed, you could just mess with everybody. Yeah. And they did that and it was, they, they edited it in like three weeks to get it out before the election. So it was choppy at points, but it's still like this jaw dropping thing that they did. What drew me to that, to working with them, they did something in 2015, I think with Donald Trump, where they were at a campaign rally. They basically played heightened versions of every candidate's base so they, right. they were Trump supporters before Trump supporters. Like, they played this outlandish. Okay. So they're heckling Trump in a way. They're like, build the wall. Like, they're just, and, and Donald Trump is like, yeah, those two guys, I like them. And then 15 minutes later, they start to, Donald Trump is reading something. And they're like, you're boring. And he got so upset, and they ended up getting kicked out. And it was this brilliant moment of like, oh, this is how we need to deal with Trump. And they, they, they did this in 2015. Wow. Yeah, and no one. Boring. That's how you had to deal with him. That's just so, not cover yeah. him, call him boring, and nobody did. Everybody just covered him. and That's so interesting. No one's done that. We all go, oh, fucking rah. Yeah. Instead of you're boring. Yeah. Jenna, I've forgotten to tell you something. And it's really bad that I didn't tell you this. Early doors. I should have told you when I got here, really. And I'm just going to have to say it. It's bad. I don't know how you're even going to take it. Uh, you, uh, how do I put it? You've, you've died. You died. Oh yes. I will die for sure. How okay. did you die? How did I die? Yeah. I died of laughter. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. No one's died of laughter. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I just, uh, I was laughing and then I just, I think my heart stopped. What were you laughing at? Do you remember? It's definitely my own joke. <laughs> <laughs> they are good. Yep. Definitely, them. I died laughing at my own jokes around other people I love. Um, I think it was probably like an improvised joke. Definitely not something I had written, but something right. I just thought of. Like that new laughter when yeah. you come upon a on stage. No, not on stage. Just, just um, probably uh, with friends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, difficult for your friends. So you're friends what, like having family. dinner? You were at a christening, friends and family? Not a christening, maybe a bris. Um, I'm at a bris. Uh-huh. What, and you think of a new joke, you say a new joke, <laughs> yeah. and you drop dead yeah. during a ceremony? Uh, probably after the ceremony, I don't okay. think I would talk during the ceremony. Okay, and uh, everyone doesn't realise you're dead at first because you've just been laughing, rolling on the floor, they just think no, you're being no, rude. No, no, they know I'm dead right uh-huh. away, because the life just leaves my face, Christ. and they can all see it. <laughs> how do you feel about death is it something that worries you i mean it's it happens there's nothing i think we need to talk about it more because it's it happens i had a family member that had a scare this year mm-hmm. my favorite person in the world actually and that person's totally fine now but i thought that person was we thought that person had like 12 months oh, and then shit. it turns out that the diagnosis was wrong wow and the person ended up okay but it was really and actually i found out about it right when we were filming the episode so you can't really tell but if in the gaming segment when i am interviewing this woman my face is just ashen but i was like Mm. thinking that this person wasn't how long into the 12 months did you find out it was wrong the diagnosis 
Halloween. We, it was like probably a month after I was told something. There was a an x-ray that they misinterpreted as something that it wasn't. But it's still, and now like that, you know, it's, you know, the interesting thing about, I think, religion, particularly Judaism and death, is that they have all these rituals, like you sit Shiva, you cover the mirror so that you don't see yourself grieving. And I think you, you don't leave the house for a week and people pay visits. And there are all these like rituals that help people deal with the passing of a loved one. And thinking that you were at that point, it was like, like, I remember the person, the person hadn't died, but like, I remember like my boyfriend and I went out to dinner with his friends and it was like three or four days after I heard and I couldn't be around people. Like I was, Mm -hmm. it was like, I was like, I just would just kind of spontaneously cry. And so it made me think about just like having something so traumatic happen and then just not having to think, but having all these rules that you just do so that you don't have to think. And, yeah. and like, how kind of beautiful that structure for around loss and grieving is yeah. to kind of help you cope. So it kind of framed at least my cultural religion in a, in a different way, just in terms of, like, death. Uh, I think that sounds like a good way of doing it. What's the? What he's you, okay, and he's not. You know, that's like a miracle, cool. isn't it? It's a total miracle, and we're going. I'm go. We're going on a trip to Antarctica in December. Wow! So everything's great, but it was like, and then I, I talk. There's one of the movies I talk about that's kind of funny. Just I'll segue into. I, I had a chance to uh, before we knew that he was okay. I went to see him, and the night before I left, I was like, let's just watch a sweet movie that. To take our mind off of this, and I start. So we watched Coco. Have you oh, seen Coco? Fuck me. <laughs> so I remember the part of Coco with a little boy being a musician, and his family is not approving of it. <laughs> and I thought that that was funny because oh, wow. you know I'm a comedian, and my family was like not ever really into it until more recently. Right. So I was like, let's watch Coco, and then I forgot the other plot about Coco, and I was like crying like a baby. You <laughs> know. In this person's arms, and also laughing and crying because it was so funny and so sad at the same time. Yeah. I can't even, if I talk about it now, I'll cry, but... Do you think there's an afterlife? I wish. I, I, I think that there's things about, like, energy, like, energy can't be created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. So I do think, like, maybe there could be, like, energies that people might think is a ghost, but it's just some, like, energy... I don't know. I, I don't. I think that when we die, it feels like how we're sleeping. Like we just go into this kind of like REM state where we're just kind of done. I want to believe in an afterlife because it's very scary. I love life and I don't want to die. And mm. as you know, in the comedy world, we've had three people die, at least yeah. in my orbit this year, in the past couple months. So I've been thinking about it more and it's just so sad. Mm. I wish I had more spirituality then I think I actually, in my heart of heart, do. I don't know. Well, I have good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bearing good news. There is an afterlife. There's a heaven and everything, and it's great. But they're obsessed with films, mm. and all they want to so do is... So a bunch of film nerds? <laughs> but, like, not the bad kind. Okay. they got other things going with them, depending on your what you're into. They're sort of tailored to your needs, mm-hmm. but they are a bunch of... <laughs> Cool, that sounds fun. And uh, they just want to know about your life through film. So the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film you remember seeing? So Heaven as a bunch of, like, NYU undergrads, um, <laughs> NYU film school. So there was this movie, and it wasn't Poltergeist, because I remember Poltergeist, but there was a movie before that. Mm-hmm. I just, I have this vivid memory. Maybe it's not the first movie. I think Snow White might have been the first movie I've ever seen. But, like, I have this memory of this, like, movie about a woman chained to a bed. It wasn't The Exorcist. She's, like, foaming at the mouth. And my sister locked me in the room with the lights up when the movie was on. And I was like, ah! And I remembered that. Shit. And then I remember, like, maybe Jaws was an early one. Because wow. I saw Jaws when I was, like, three or four. And then, like, was afraid to flush the toilet. Wow. All scary. All scary first films. Well, I think that's what leaves the mark yeah i also maybe snow white i cried because i empathized with the wicked stepmother and like then when she 
Doesn't she die off the cliff? Yeah, yeah. That, I think I cried. You were crying. Oh, sorry, one other. Now I'm just really remembering, even though I thought... Yeah, go on. Uh, Howard the Duck. That was one of the first scary movies I've ever seen. That movie freaked me out so much. Howard the Duck is great. I I freaked out. There was like a moment... I don't even remember the movie, but that was like... That movie I remember like freaking out. You grew up in New York? Jersey. Outside of Philadelphia. And you have a sister? Yeah. How much older? Three and a half years. And she locked you in a room with scary films. I'm trying to think what this woman foaming at the mouth chained to a bed was. I don't remember. Okay. So those are all pretty scary first films. Yeah. Do you remember thinking, oh, I don't want to watch films because they're scary? <laughs> no, you... no. There was a period where I, I, yeah, no. I think I got once I, I remember um, wanting to go see Splash with yes. Daryl Hannah. And I went to the um, VHS store, and there was always, like, the upstairs at all the scary movies, and I didn't like to go up there because even the pictures and the boxes were scary. Yeah. And my mom and I got uh, Splash, but then inside the case was Troll. Oh, shit. Not Trolls 2, but Trolls, maybe Troll or Trolls 1, which apparently has no connection to Troll 2. <laughs> you know Trolls. Troll 2 is its troll own two is cult. The, yeah, yeah. But Troll, the first one. Right. And the good one. Well, I think that I liked the second one yeah. because it's so weird. But the first one was just in the case. And so she wasn't with me and I started watching that and it scared me. But then I liked that. Oh, great. I was like, Mom, I don't think this is Splash. The little girl's playing with a ball, goes into the basement. <laughs> like, I don't think that. And so then it got me into And then I was really into horror movies. Up until, like, eighth grade, my friends and I, like, would film our own horror movies. Oh, cool. We'd, like, dress in trash bags with, like black eyeshadow like around our eyes and be like the scary girls and there'd be like the cool girls and obviously the scare the nerdy girls were like i'd always like to play the nerdy girl who's like misunderstood and then they like kill the cool girls do you uh, i'm really interested that you emphasize with the wicked stepmother not snow we like this bitch snow white ruining everything no i just i just don't like to see women get killed <laughs> like that's all I mean, I have nothing against Snow White either. From an early age. I just didn't want to see, like, a woman die. Yeah, that's fair. What is the film that scared you the most, if you like horror films? What's the scariest? Outbreak. Outbreak. I love Outbreak. Outbreak. traumatized me for life. I saw it in sixth grade. That movie, I can't even watch it now. Like, that movie freaks me out so much. More than Contagion, there's something of about course, Outbreak yeah. that... Just really, like, played on your, like, emotions. Like, the the scenes I remember so vividly. Like, all of them. The movie theater where the disease spreads. Mm. The moment where they have to, like, separate the mother from, like, the child. Like, yeah. um, where the guy gets scratched by the monkey. Where the guy, like, just all of it. All, that whole movie. I went um, with my dad and my sister on a trip to Vermont. We used to go rowing. And we'd spend, like, two days in Burlington. And so... I was, I think, going into sixth grade, and they ordered Outbreak, and we're all watching it, and I just got so scared. I remember running in the room, but I just, like, that movie was so vivid to me, and it made me, like, a germaphobe ever since. I uh, accidentally took a girl on a date to Contagion. Hmm. When I say accidentally, now that I think about it, I think <laughs> it was called Contagion, but I didn't sort of imagine it, because Outbreak is sort of quite fun for that sort of, like, as in it's a thriller and it's sort of yeah. exciting. Contagion is just like bleak Dry. realism. Yeah. And it's so gross. I, I didn't want to touch the doors on the way out. I was um, like, we are never going to kiss. We're never going to kiss. Me and oh, that's gonna, interesting. We're never going to kiss because we just watched the whole film about don't touch anything. And we didn't. We were really ruined. I never saw her again. Really? <laughs> yeah. Contagion was the end. I went that. on a date to, and we saw the act of killing. That was a lot. Wow. That was a lot. <laughs> That was a crazy movie. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, bloody hell. What's the film that made you cry the most? Coco. I mean, I think yeah. it was Coco. I, uh, Fox and the Hound made me cry when I was little. I remember seeing Selma in the theater and crying and feeling just like so like cliche and embarrassed. Because <laughs> I was just like, eh. Um, I saw the Wolf Pack at a cool like New York premiere and I, and I, was, and I cried. I felt really? bad about crying there too. The uh, Coco made me feel better about death. Yeah. I like the idea of the Day of the Dead. Yeah, the, that's comforting. And I like the idea of you If you go remember on people, then they go on. Yeah. yeah. 
It's my least depressing Pixar film. Like, it made me cry, but it didn't make me want to end everything like all the others do. Oh, yeah. No, I think Pixar is, like, emotional terrorism, so I try not to (laughs) mess with Pixar. It's just too much. It's, like, (laughs) Toy Story 3 or something, that moment where all the toys are about to be incinerated. I'm like, this is 9-11. Like, stop. This is too much. It's too much. You can't let kids watch. I I can't watch that. It's just too much. My nephew... Here's a crazy story. So yeah. my nephew, when he was three years old, his grandpa on the other side took him to see Inside Out, which I still have not seen. It's really good. Well, he went with his two older girl cousins, and yeah. he was too young, and he's really sensitive, and he hated it. And his grandfather kind of didn't listen to him. And then my sister didn't tell me this right away, but I found out that his grandfather has, like, all these train sets in the basement, like these, like, kind of collectible model train sets. Yeah. And my nephew, he wiped his poop all over the train sets at three years old. He did a dirty protest. It was the only power he had. And he did that after his grandfather wouldn't take him out of the movie. Isn't that fascinating? That is really fascinating. And I'm amazed it doesn't go on the poster. (laughs) (laughs) That's powerful. Yeah. Dirty protest for Inside Out. It, it, It scared him. He didn't like the idea of things in your head talking to you oh shit yeah i haven't even thought of it like yeah that. he was he's 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 really he's like six now but it really freaked him out fuck of course all the little little creatures talking yeah you got to be really scary what movies you show kids like i remember when jurassic park came out mm. my grandma took me to it my cousin samantha who's my age we were both gonna go but then my aunt told she was like be careful because i remember i saw gone with the wind and that scene where the soldier is getting his leg amputated haunted me forever and i was like oh like aunt beverly i'll be fine and i was when i saw jurassic park but then a year later when i saw outbreak i was not fine (laughs) yeah that's why you would not shake my hand at the door was that no i'm i'm better now but i i've been a germaphobe for like a deck like decades yeah i i i get it i'm the Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. What is the film that most people don't like? It's sort of critically not considered a good film, but you're like, fuck you all, this film is brilliant. Teen Witch, I love. I'm sure, I don't know if you've ever seen Teen Witch. Teen Witch, is it? uh, It's with Robin Lively. It's about, it's like from 1989. This girl on her 16th birthday finds out she's a witch and she casts a spell to be the most popular girl. Yeah. It's just really good and funny and silly. And I love that movie so much. An empirically bad movie that I enjoyed. My sister and I spent a summer together in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. she had this like shitty TV with a VHS player, and we'd always watch not another teen movie, which is so dumb, but like <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. That's a good answer. Solid answer. On the other side, what is a film that you used to love? You loved it very much, but you've revisited it recently, and you've thought, oh no, this isn't good. You know, Sixteen Candles has that, like, scene where he, like, sleeps with her and she's passed out. That's kind of problematic. 
also Three Days of the Condor. I just stumbled upon that, which is a great, yeah. great movie. But there's also this weird scene where Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway have sex, but like he, she's captive, so that's problematic. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of like weird things that are like rape that we didn't know think about as yeah. rape. So that kind of ruins movies. What is um, the... Okay, this is my favourite question. What is the film that means the most to you? And is it Coco? What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily because the film is any good, but because of the story you associate with seeing that film. Might have been a first date, might have been a breakup, might have been a day you got a job, day someone died. What's the film that you'll always remember for this reason? So this isn't like a good film. I just remember going away to college and I saw this movie called Girl. And it was an under-the-radar movie about a girl going away to college. I think she, like, lived in Seattle and was, like, going to college in New York. But I just saw this movie at this, like, time when I was, like, going away to college. And it felt like Mm -hmm. it was, like, really comforting. That was a tough one. I have to kind of think about that. Because I'm sure there are, like, so many, but... I mean, your Coco story is is pretty... The Coco story was... That was just a really intense moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was just a really intense moment. I guess you you asked this question, but, like kind of going to like greatest film of all time like one i could watch over and over again but also one i feel bad about given everything yeah like annie hall is my favorite movie it's just my favorite movie everything about it i love that movie and i'm like blaming it more on like marshall brickman (laughs) but i just love that movie and like Mm. it's just like in my mind like the perfect film like even the film that i wrote it's like a little bit annie hall a little so i married an axe murderer like that's like that's my the my serial killer movie took those two films and tried to kind of like put them in a two really really good films. <laughs> I'm trying to get it made, but yeah, no, I I loved the idea. Of, I love So I Married an Axe Murderer so much. Me too. But I, I also love, love the idea of flipping it, having it be from a female perspective, but then grounding it to the point where it has more. It echoes like Annie Hall more than it echoes like a kind of broad yeah. comedy. And I don't know why. Well. Well, it's it checks off a lot of boxes. Okay, well, let's get to what. What's the film you found the sexiest? This is a lot about me, but it's A Clockwork Orange, and only because I've had a really healthy sexual uh, history. So I like because it was so fucked up. It was it, it was like interesting to watch. That's a fantastic and honest answer. I wonder what your answer is going to be for traveling boners worrying wide on. <laughs> Which is oh, is that your answer for that? What's a wide on? Is it a British phrase? Yeah, meaning a, arousal, a woman's for arousal. A wide on? Hard on or a wide on? Oh, that's so funny. I've never heard that. I feel like that already makes me think that you guys are more feminist than Americans because we don't even have a term. I guess like turn on uh, for female arousal. Yeah. The term is, there's no The term, term. is what? <laughs> the term is Bernie would have won, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say a clockwork orange, unfortunately. That can be your worrying why done answer, a clockwork orange. Then just a sexy yeah, movie that isn't that? that, that so, you um, don't have any queries. Uh, there was this movie, it was about like artists in East Germany... And it was, like, such a good movie, except for, like, the last five minutes, which I felt like they tried to wrap it up in a bow. Lives of Others? Yes. Thank you. I love that movie. I, I it agree so with you. Good. The last five minutes is... They just don't need it. Happens too much. Too much it, happens very quickly. Yeah, they just didn't need it. I was like, this is a, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And then they just, like, sold it out in, like, a weird Hollywood way. But before they did that, it was just, like, the sexy yeah. kind of political almost like maybe a thriller a little bit yeah just really well done i love that movie great so that and then the clockwork orange you're wearing wide on i mean that is a wearing wide on what is the film you most relate to i mean i hate to say annie hall i just it's just i just everything about that movie i love how are you how am i woody allen because no no how are you does it are you able to separate it and now still Annie Hall and Woody Allen. I've been trying to do a joke about this and it doesn't yeah. work, but the whole idea of like, can you separate the art from like the artist who yeah. fucked his daughter? Um, it's such an interesting, <laughs> it's such an interesting conversation because I feel like culturally, because like we're obsessed with celebrity and art mm-hmm. that we're like looking to art to try to like 
understand how we should be in life. But it's like, there's so much cognitive dissonance in every single aspect of our lives from like the food we eat to the clothes we wear Mm. to like how we travel to how we tip. Like there's so much stuff that is problematic that we just aren't recognizing, but we're like, I don't want to like, we shouldn't watch this. Like when I've talked about like this past year, I've like talked to journalists a lot of journalists will ask like female comics about like Louie or whatever. And they're like, yeah. can you separate the art from the artist? And it's like, I don't know, you know, like mm. I, I can't tell you not to watch a Woody Allen movie. If like, you know, I'm wearing fast fashion made by kids in Bangladesh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I try not to do that, but I think like maybe don't patron like a, an abuser. Like, and- a, like steal a copy. Yeah, steal, steal a, a copy. copy. That's great. Steal, steal a copy of any Don't give them any money. Don't give them any money. But, but do watch it. Yeah. Watch a pirated copy of whatever you want. I mean, I, I think that might be the solution. I think that's the solution. It's very difficult, isn't it? Because Annie Hall is fucking brilliant. It is fucking brilliant. And I he, guess... You know he wanted that to be like a mystery or something. He didn't yeah, want it to be what it was. I think Manhattan Murder Mystery is the other uh, half of Annie Hall, what Annie Hall was meant to be. Yeah. That, I heard like, something like that, which makes me think it was more Mar- Marshall Brickman than Woody Allen. Because yeah. I don't like, I like some of his other movies, but I don't connect to them the way I connect yeah. to Annie Hall. Like Bananas and Sleep, like they're fine. I mean, he's got a lot, like I hated Manhattan. I looked at Manhattan yeah. and I'm like, you are a pedophile. I do not like this movie. Yeah. The problem is you look, at, you can make whatever judgment you want about his life. But there are things in Annie Hall that are really wise, like about relationships. And there's a scene that's one of my favourite scenes ever, which is the second time he tries to have fun in the kitchen with the lobsters with a different woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just doesn't work out. Like, that is fucking profound. I know. That's such a good observation about. And the Marshall McLuhan line. Yeah. Like when they're waiting for the movie. I just, I just, that movie captures, and maybe it's not what I relate to, but it just like captures this like era of like, New York, like 1979. My parents saw that movie when they just moved from New York to Nashville and they Uh, were the only people in the theater laughing and no one else (laughs) got it. And they were like this Jewish couple who moved to Nashville and like... How long were they in Nashville? For like a year or two. Mm -hmm. My dad had like a residency at Vanderbilt. Um, Because your dad is... is... He's a doctor. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to tell me he was a singer. Oh, no. I thought he had a residency. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, no. In the main room. You're you're surrounded... My boyfriend's a musician. You're surrounded by all these instruments. (laughs) He had a residency in yeah, uh, playing the... the main room in the ER. <laughs> what? No, I think if your dad is a musician, you date a doctor. And if your dad's a doctor, you date <laughs> right. a musician. That makes um, sense. I could probably come up with a different movie. I mean, in high school, Clueless came out. And my friends and I just, I definitely don't relate to Clueless. But I was like a virgin who couldn't drive. So <laughs> I did kind of relate to Cher Hor- Horowitz a little bit. But I didn't grow up in Beverly Hills. I grew up in like a tiny little town in New Jersey. Okay. Uh, so what is the greatest film objectively? I would say Annie Hall again, but also okay. like in this, you can, this gives, like, I love like all the president's men. Yeah. I love the insider and I love network. Like I love, those are three movies that I think just stand the test of time as just like brilliant. Yeah. The insider is so good. Mm. Um, I also just recently watched Molly's game, which I thought was yeah. so well done. I really enjoyed my list. And that was like a movie I didn't even know to watch. And it was so good. So I do like like cerebral kind of political thrillers. Also, the Amy Adams movie that came out, the one about aliens. Arrival. Yes. I thought that that was brilliant, too. Yeah. I just really like kind of like cerebral movies like that, but also political thrillers. That's my jam. How do you feel about The Post? Uh, the Post was kind of slow, I thought. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I thought it was a sort of quite sweet. There was something like, as in, it seemed like almost too cozy. Yeah, it didn't do it for me. I really like Sorkin's writing. Like, I also thought the social network was like riveting. Yeah. And like Fincher. I I thought, I like, yeah. I think also now that we have such short attention spans, it's really hard for like a 90 plus minute movie to sustain our attention. Yeah, that's true. But they're also fucking long. Mm hmm. What is the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again? Um, is it any? <laughs> I know it's so cheap. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, 
Because I don't really watch films over again. Yeah. Like, unless I'm, like, like sitting in on an edit for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't really watch things over again if I can help it. Or, like, maybe The Wedding Singer or So I Married an Axe Murderer. Like, those kinds of, like, easy kind of comedies that are so funny. So I Married an Axe Murderer, his best work, correct? My I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Same with, with Adam Sandler. I think The Wedding Singer is just so good. Uh... You know what my favourite Adam Sandler is? Fifty First Dates. Really? Yeah. I think it's it made me cry a lot. I think it's a beautiful film. Oh, that is a sad one too. Yeah, yeah. I think it's such a It is cool. Uh, great concept. Yeah. Anyway, what is the film that you in comedy what's the funniest film? I, I think I mentioned those two also What Hot American Summer. Oh right. Yeah. Sarah Marin Axe Murder, Wedding Singer, What Hot American Summer, off the top of my head. I'm sure there are more, but those are the ones that really just, even to this day, make me laugh. That's great. I like that one. Okay. What's the worst film? I remember in the theater scene Crash, and I just hated it so much. Which one? The, the Oscar one? Yeah. Or the Cronenberg one? The Oscar one. Okay. Especially once it wins. I was like, this piece of shit, it's just racist and weird. And then it won. Yeah. I was like, this movie. I just didn't like it. How do you feel about Green Book? I never saw it, but I think that's probably also, yeah. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. You know, I don't know why people expect the Oscars to, like, reflect. It's just, if you know what the Academy looks like, like, that's what they're voting for. Oh, like, really? Why do we even think that, like, Oscar winning? I mean, there's so many. My favorite movie this year was Sorry to Bother You. Yes. And they just didn't hire PR, so they didn't have, you know, a team to I've done promote the- them. I feel like that would never have won. It's too Yeah, but too like wild. I think if you had like I mean I don't know if he hired if they hired like a huge PR team, but like it I mean I guess it did it win at the America at the Independent Spirit Awards? I don't know actually. I think it might have won something there. We should maybe Google it. I don't know. I just love that movie. I thought yeah. it was really cool and Yeah, that was brilliant. Uh what is saying on West Film is crashed, yeah. I'm so, like, impressed that you've memorized all the questions. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) I haven't missed any, have I, so far? Now, uh, you have been excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, I have to tell you, when you died from laughter, Mm. laughing at a joke you thought of whilst at a bris, uh, after the Mm. ceremony, and you were laughing and laughing, and you collapsed, the life went out of your eyes, and you landed on the floor, and you collapsed. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately... uh, there was a sort of stampede. People panicked mm-hmm. when he died. And a lot of people trod on you. It was like, it was mm. bad. And you got spread out a lot more than... It's quite awful, mm. really. You're so body. British. You're just making this ending so British. Your body. And then you were baked into a, into a got, blood pudding sausage. probably trampled. And your body got spread out much more than it should have done. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when we said, I said, like, everyone out, everyone mm-hmm. out. We need to clear mm-hmm. the body. And so we, like, scraped up mm-hmm. your body, but there was bits of carpet attached mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. bits of mm-hmm. the wood. A lot more so of you I'm than there was So I'm definitely dead. You're definitely dead. Gotcha. We put you in the coffin, but because of all this shit around everywhere that it got attached to you, there was a lot more of you than we planned. Mm. So the coffin is absolutely full. Mm-hmm. There's no room in there. But there is enough room for just one um, DVD, DVD that we can slide in the side, send you to the other side, and on the other side there's movie night every night. And one movie night, it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone? Because originally before this exposition, I said, <laughs> I said a sharp DVD in case I'm buried alive. But that's not an option now because I'm clearly dead. Yeah, you're definitely dead. A shark DVD? I said sharp, sharp, physically sharp. Oh. To break out of never. my coffin. Okay. In case no, I'm you're buried, definitely but I'm dead. definitely dead. Yeah, yeah. Particularly after being trampled to death by your friends and family when they panicked. I mean, the sorrow and the pity is long. I've never seen it. <laughs> Why don't we end on that? <laughs> You're taking the sorrow and the pity to heaven. Just It's to... <laughs> a lovely gift for everyone. You're basically introing it with, I know we've all been having a good time. Uh-huh. Here's the sorrow and the pity. All right. Good luck. Thank you Thank very you. much for doing this. Thank you. Good night. So that was episode 72. Get your tickets for the live show with Nish Kumar on December 19th at the BFI. You can get them at the website, BFI website. And you can also head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra chat with Jenna. Uh, Also, go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating 
And instead of talking about the show, you can do if you want, but instead, write about the film that meant the most to you and why. If you have a look on iTunes, people have been doing that. Oh, the stories are good. And some of them really moving. It's really interesting. Have a look. That would be really great. Thank you so much to Jenna for doing the show and for being great. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAS for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. Lisa Laden for the photography. Come and join me next week. There'll be another amazing, incredible, special guest doing their films to be buried with. So in the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Effects presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.